Hello and welcome in to the Orlando Drummer Podcast. This is episode 18, and if there was ever a question of how much time can you sit, can you spend sitting around talking about drums, we're slowly answering that question. At least 18 hours. At least 18 hours. <laughs> it's got to be more at this point because some of them have ran longer. Yeah, and prep for these too, right? A lot of work that yeah. goes in on your part, especially you know before we even start. Yeah, I guess it's maybe three to four hours total if I'm just stretching it out per episode. Then, yeah, yeah, per episode. So, but yeah, you know, a uh, long time. Yeah, man. Are you feeling recovered from the the trip? Yeah, yeah, no, because yeah. it was relaxing. So, I mean, even with the drive down, what was it like? 10, 12 10, hour 10, drive. Ten and a half hours, something like that. Yeah. We stopped like a couple times, but yeah, yeah, no, it was fine. Oh yeah, good. We got to see the mountains. For those that don't know, um, my now wife and I we got married in um, Sevierville. I always want to say Sevierville. Uh, <laughs> Sevierville is how that's pronounced. Uh, Tennessee in Smoky Mountains, and so we uh, got back probably two weeks ago by now. But man, it took a while to recover from just a long road trip, a lot of sitting, and just. We had like four different Airbnbs, so like a whole lot of like packing and like, all right, let's load up and drive out. Yeah, it was it was chaos, but uh, this is the first episode we recorded since we've been back from that. Correct, yeah. yeah. So now we're mountain men. Mountain uh, men, officially, officially mountain men. Uh, my beard's coming in nicely. <laughs> yep. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I saw you got an axe collection going up there. Getting yeah, some tools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a couple dead raccoons too, mm-hmm, hung up mm-hmm. on the wall. Got a bunch of stumps in his back of his car. I don't know why. Yeah. He's hauling wood around for no reason. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, it was it was fun, and I think we all came to the conclusion that we want to build a studio in the mountains of Tennessee. Yeah. Oh yeah. Man, the prices on stuff. I know we got plenty of listeners in Tennessee, but man, the Smoky Mountains. What a cheap place to live. It's crazy. Oh man. Even like gas groceries yeah it's cheap man it's and given you are in the middle of nowhere in some places yeah. but dude you should like for any homeowners or if you're interested in that go on zillow and look at like gatlinburg and Sevierville and pigeon forge yeah. like dude the houses that you can get for what would end up being like a thousand dollar mortgage <laughs> like it's crazy man yeah mm-hmm. so yeah that mountain studio is more tempting than ever yeah man get yeah. a get a gig at dollywood yeah, there you go there you go me, country drummer <laughs> we know how much this podcast hates country music yeah all right. so speaking of hating country music all right uh, let's go the other direction huh? well yeah we'll uh we'll start off the podcast as we always do with a loop pack all right and this week i decided on the nick DePiro loop pack uh this loop would be loop number five okay it's a tricky one at 130 bpm so slow tempo okay uh for nick DePiro. Uh, yeah. yeah any uh any thoughts on that one uh well let's let it let's let him hear it first let's check it out so nick DePiro pack uh loop number five check it out Nick DePiro, I mean, for me, I would have to describe him as one of the most underrated metal guitar players ever. There's so few metal guitar players who I see that are that that like effortlessly creative. 
And there are players that are, I use that combination of words intentionally, because there are players who are very creative, but it doesn't have like that effortless kind of feeling. And then there's players who are effortless, like they're just very free, but maybe they're not quite as creative. But for him, it's like these masterpieces like flow out of him, because him and Night Versus, which is Eric and Proda, uh, Riley and then Nick DiPiro, they've stayed with us a few times when they're on tour. And I remember one time in particular, he's just like jamming on an acoustic in my living room. And everybody around the room is just like, dude, what was that? Like just sick, like crazy riffs. And he's like, oh, I don't know, just making something up really quick. Like just, the guy just has like this weird, ultra deep vocabulary on guitar. It's crazy, man. And he's not like a sight reader or anything. Um, less nerdy and technical than you would imagine. But yeah, man, he's such a good guitar player. It always trips me out that he's not ultra famous for what he, I mean he does have plenty of fans and followers but like not what he deserves for sure man so anyway Nick has written two songs that I played for some of the Milo videos mm -hmm. uh, Scarlet which was a few years ago now and then Wet Texan which was the more recent one um yeah, dude, he absolutely shreds. Check out Nick DiPiro. Fucking love that guy. He's amazing. Um, so, yeah, and then we got a loot pack that we did a few years ago as well that's on the site. So, yeah, check those out. And if you don't know already, you can stream the entire loop library with a membership to OrlandoDrummer.com. It's, as far as I can tell, I've researched this as much as I can. I'm pretty sure it's the biggest library of drumless tracks in the world. I hesitate to say that all the time because I don't know, maybe somebody has a not very well known like ultra library, but I'm pretty sure it's the biggest one in the world. It's at least the most expansive with the, the widest amount of genres. And that is included in a membership to OrlandoDrummer.com so you can stream the entire library of drumless tracks. But of course, what you're actually paying for and actually accessing is 160, almost 170 hours of drum lesson content now. It's the equivalent of about 50 drum DVDs. Yeah, you can do a seven-day free trial. Use code ODPC to save 25% on your first two months. And that's our one and only sponsor for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, man. Until we get a, a Quip sponsorship. I'm yeah. We're <laughs> Until not Black affiliated. Rifle hits me up. Come on, y'all. Yeah. It's an all-male audience. What are we doing? Coffee. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, I... But guitarists in living rooms, it's like they, they they're the only people that have that power. Drummers can't do that. Yeah, nobody's impressed by like your lap drumming in a <sighs> living room. Well, you Nobody can't be cares. shredding on a kit at like a party and people just like turn their attention. They're yeah. Like, Will you stop, please? Yeah. It's too much. Yeah, yeah. It's also like rhythm doesn't come Eric and Proto actually, we've talked about this a lot. Rhythm doesn't come with like nearly the same degree of emotional response like playing a cool beat it does have an emotional response but not like a guitar does like when you remove melody and not harmony but i guess it could be harmony with chords but when you remove like those tonal qualities and it's just purely rhythm like it doesn't elicit the same response so like sitting around a campfire like playing a beat is sort of like what like there's not yeah. that's not the right vibe or any vibe necessarily <laughs> It's why drum circles just seem so corny to me. I agree. I've never thought that was cool. <laughs> the, you're like, oh, it's a drum circle. And you're like, okay. So it's just a bunch of like sort of rhythmically inclined people all hitting Or stuff. not rhythmically inclined Or not. Yeah. And then you get that mixture and you're like, this isn't satisfying whatsoever. I it's, don't know what drug you need to take to find that cool, but I know I've never done it. I'm not going to name anything right now. <laughs> Whatever the drug is, I haven't taken that one. NZT48. That's a fictional drug. There you go. I'll name that one. That would be cool, man. Some designer drug some kid in Berkeley made. <laughs>
Uh, all right. So, speaking of Berkeley, um, no, nah, that's a terrible transition. Uh, all Blew right. it. Blew it. Done. Done with loop of the week. Um, again, shout out Nick DePiro. Oh yeah. We'll move on to player puzzle. This player is a fun puzzle. One. Yeah, man. So, so you're racking up these wins now, dude. Yeah, I hope I get some. I get two for two today. All right. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but if you don't know what player puzzle is, uh, with so many drummers out there, it's hard to tell the difference. But some stand out so well that they're absolutely recognizable. In player puzzle, we'll provide three hints to Adam to see if he can guess who's playing. And we'll see if we can stump him. I've had how many wins now? Three or four? Three or four? It's been a while. I, I forget yeah. now. Yeah. Well, we're getting out of the like obvious territory where like the most famous i guess people yeah. are kind of running through them so i don't want to say we're on like a the next tier down but like they get more and more obscure because obviously there's only so many ultra famous drummers yeah. that are going to pop in your yeah. head yeah and yeah. i'm only throwing out ones that i know you know of because of conversations we've had not sure not, not ones that i'm just finding and going hope you can guess them. yeah because right? i would never get super random ones like that exactly yeah, yeah. Right, so uh we'll start out okay our first one should be yellow Okay. Yellow should be the name of that file. See Alrighty. if we can uh, guess it based on this audio clue here. Here we go. Player puzzle one. Extremely quick, very quick, but like a like a blurriness to it. Also, I feel I got Chris Coleman vibes, but it feels more like whoever this player is influenced Chris Coleman. Does that make sense? Like Chris Coleman's a little bit more like um, I don't know. His dynamics are a little bit punchier, but something about like that ostinato with the chaotic speed on the top of it. A couple of those little like blurry fast mannerisms felt very Coleman-y. So I'm trying to think like. Who would Chris Coleman have listened to growing up? That kit sounds pretty dry, like Pearl or Yamaha would be my two guesses for the kit. And I'm hearing, like, not super modern. I think this is an older player, but I'm not positive, man. That, that's a really tough one from just audio. What we got? What's our next, next hint for this guy? So the next hint is a discography, if you will. Mm-hmm. Tommy Coster, John Schofield, George Duke, Victor Woden, Brecker Brothers, Santana, Parliament Funkadelic, John McLaughlin, Niacin, Mike Stern, CAB, Greg Howie, and many others. Mm, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. But all dating back quite a ways. None of those are like soup. Well, Santana, I guess, is still touring. The others, I really don't know. Is Santana still touring? I don't know. Well, I really no don't. Right yeah, now, I don't know. I mean, I, we grew when we grew up. They had he had hits on the radio, right? Like that relevant yeah. enough. 
Huh. Okay, so I do have a guess, but I'm not sold just yet. Let's see what this, uh, we got a kit photo. Yeah, again, yeah, file name is yellow. Okay. Hmm, mm. can I get a brand? Mm. This is at Nam. Mm. Oh, brand would probably be the back of the throne right there. That's Pearl. This is probably a Pearl kit. And those look like Zildjian's. I'm looking at the top right. I see that red font. Zildjian has some symbols that have a red stamp mm, on them. So does Piesty. Oh, good point. Good mm. point. I don't know. The hammering on that ride, too, that's really vague and hard to tell. Okay. My guess, based off of that mega yellow kit, I think I'm going to have to go with the OG Dennis Chambers. Yeah, it's Dennis yeah. Chambers. Yeah, all right. <laughs> That's a tough one, man. That's a really tough one. Because all of his content and all the famous stuff, the videos from him are quite old, right? Yeah, a lot of uh, the like modern drummer or drummer world videos that featured him were all from like the 90s. Sure, sure, Real sure. Old videos. Man, at one point, he was certainly one of the most famous drummers in the world. Yeah. Certainly was, man. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, such a unique style, too. Deadly fast, too. Um, just a, such a unique funk player, man. Yeah. Awesome player, man. That was really cool. I would have loved to have seen him play. Um, I suppose you still could. I know he's had some health problems and he's a bit older now, mm -hmm. but he, um, he did t like tour with Santana, like in our adulthood, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the last 10 years or so. Man, that would have been really cool. Cool to see. I wonder uh, what year at Nam this was that um, they had a full like replica of his kit. Oh man, I would have to go back and find where I found that photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have been a while ago, but even it would be cool to do like a throwback setup for because there's a couple videos of him where he has like his hair is like really curly and it's kind of in a mullet and he's playing on a kit that looks exactly like this, like yeah. three up, three down with the yeah. big bass drum and it's bright yellow. There's like a famous video. Uh, probably from a DVD or something that he did. Yeah, Drummer World or something like it's that. It's like very like like mid '80s kind of a vibe. I think he's got like a yeah. like a leopard skin bandana on or I something. I think so. Got <laughs> yeah, some weird it's a vibe. Colorful shirt. Yeah, it's a vibe. Awesome. Yeah, he's uh, it's so funny. His whole kid is just like all to the right and then nothing to the left. Little weird, right? It feels yeah, heavy, heavy to the right. That is a bit strange. I look at that though. One justification for that, like the severely like right hand dominant kind of setup is that your hi-hat is one of the most complex individual pieces of the entire kit right like what it can do and the amount that you can manipulate and control it that's a lot of stuff going on you can play an entire drum solo on just a hi-hat mm -hmm. all the different surfaces the angles you can hit it with your stick the fact that that you could open and close it gives you this whole range of like different sounds that you can get out of it. So I kind of look at it that way. Like the most complicated part of the kit is already on the left. And then toms are not so complicated. It's sort of, you know, uh, yeah, a little, little more simple. But man, that was a really good one, man. Good one. He actually lived, I don't know if he still does, but he lived in Baltimore for a long time. And growing up, when I was in high school, I had thought for a while about driving into the city and getting a lesson from him. Uh, I think he charged... And I mean, rightfully so, <laughs> like 120, 150 an hour, something oh. like that. I mean, you know, you, you earn a price like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think at the time that would just that might as well have been a thousand dollars for me when I was 17. But yeah, but yeah, Baltimore, I'm pretty sure it's where he lives. Awesome. Good one. Shout yeah. out, brother. Brother D Chambers. D Chambers. All right, cool. So that's a loss for me today. No, no full uh, two out of two there. <laughs> Let's try for one out of two. Okay. I'm okay with a 50% average. Next one is orange. Orange. Colorful today. 
All right, here we go. hand at the end that was wild so it's man this is a really interesting one because there was so much happening so many little rhythmic games I heard a little like modern jazz fusion like a Mark Juliana type characteristic to mm. some of it but a little more drunk than Mark Juliana goes. Also, I know it's not him because we've done him on Player Puzzle before. Ah, but we've never said we couldn't repeat. <laughs> Psych, it's Benny Greb again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, that, yeah, that's a really, really tough. I'm definitely going to need more clues for that one. I have a few guesses, but there's no way I could know for sure just from that. That was so, so complex. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Good luck, like... Like, if you wanted to play that, what is that, a minute and 13 seconds of audio? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to need six months to get all of that down. So many concepts buried in there. That's why I say deep, you know? It's just a lot happening. Yeah. Well, whoever this is is killer, but uh, let's let's keep moving. What's our next hint? This drummer is a music director as well as a fashion designer. Self-proclaimed. An MD. Okay. MD into FD. Interesting. I know of a few... My MD into FD. <laughs> I know of a few musical directors who are drummers. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is like Adam Marcello, who is Katy Perry's drummer and musical director. Cool guy. But I don't think this is him. So, musical director... I always think of like more... like I want to say like corporate acts when I think of musical director. But... It doesn't really have to be that way. It's just an established band is all you're really saying. I'm not sure. Okay, let's go. Let's keep moving. All right, so we got a little kit photo for you. This is orange. Orange. Okay. Oh, Minel narrows this down. Ba, 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 ba. That's a Tama hyperdrive, at least the sizes. For sure mm. it's a Tama with the stripe and then those sizes. Mmm. Evans, Tama, Minel. Okay. So a hint for anybody listening at home, I'll give you one hint. Lady Gaga would be the musical director. That That's who he's the musical director for. And I'm guessing there. I'm really not sure. But the Tama, Minel, Combo, and Evans, um, that would point me in the direction of 
Mr. George Spanky McCurdy. Ah, uh, yeah. That's him. Yeah. Man, what a crazy clip of him playing. I had never heard yeah. that sort of playing out of him. Yeah, that was not, by the way, that, that end, that left hand comment you made. That was him um, swapping. Swapping? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Dude, he's uh he's such a weird player. And I say that in a complimentary way, but like weird. Like very um I don't know, just like unexpected sounds like constantly. Like it's all just like, huh? Like what? What did he just play? Like it's a lot of that, you know, mm-hmm. like very unfamiliar in a in a I don't know, in a good sort of way. I don't mean that in a bad way, but like yeah. very unfamiliar sometimes, you his, know? His playing, if you watch all of his Minel videos, it's some of the most entertaining Minel videos yeah. to hit that channel. The, yeah. the Evans redheads, all of his symbol choices, his playing. Yeah. Reminds me of Sput in just that weird, yeah. weird Evans head combos against Minel and all the strange voices from Minel. Yeah, but I mean, they're picking them because the sound matters that much to them. Sure. So, And they pick odd choices, too. It's not like Sput or George, in this case, are playing like necessarily the most normal ones. Like, they pick the weirdos. Like, they make the most of the, like, odd voices that yep. Minel kind of offers. Yep. But, yeah, I remember when I worked at Sam Ash a long time ago, they uh, they had a DVD of George Spanky McCurdy playing. And man, we would just sit around and watch that thing for hours, dude. Just the <laughs> strangest mannerisms in his playing. But I'm even more impressed with his playing. It makes me want to go back and watch more videos yeah. after hearing that audio clip. What was that from, by the way, the audio? It was like his, oh, it was not his channel on something where it's just like George Spanky McCurdy laying it down or jamming out. And it's just him on a three-piece kit. Man. Just shredding. Yeah, and the funny thing is the related videos when I watched that and found that on YouTube were three lessons from you from your channel from years ago when you oh, had like I... short hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like this is a something inspired by George Spanky McCurdy. Yeah, I did have some like God, that was like eight years ago, a long time ago. Yeah, six, a long eight time. years ago. Yeah, there was some lesson I put out that was like. A lick kind of sort of inspired by something that he played. I can't even remember what that was. Oh, I do know what it was. Inverted doubles. Like you would normally play with your right hand on the hat, left hand on the snare. But you switch them. So you put the left hand up on the hat, right uh-huh. hand on the snare, and then you match the bass drum with the right hand on the, on the snare. So it's like, oh, it's weird. It's really weird. Some shit he would do. <laughs> yeah. Check out that lesson. It's, sure. Uh... Or don't. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. All right. Okay. So I lost today. Those were good ones, though, man. Those are really good. I'm surprised yeah. I got both. Incredibly influential drummers. Listen to them. So that'll do it for Player Puzzle. We'll move on to Accent or Ghost. Accent or Ghost. Or Ghost. All right. If you're not familiar with Accent or Ghost, this is a piece where we get Adam's view on many aspects of the drumming industry. And at the end, we'll get an approval, an accent, or a disapproval, a ghost. So, Adam, what do you think about learning to customize your drum set rather than learning to play it learning to customize your drum set it, the example would be like staining or mess, painting the hardware uh. putting symbols on bass drum head, not symbols like uh, making logos, modifications and like modifying your drum set to customize it for a specific look okay versus just like practicing yeah yeah uh Man, that's so like person to person because if you said I don't play drums, but I just love them and I just like taking them apart and let's say like like revamping old antique kits or restoring them is mm-hmm. probably the right word. 
and you enjoy like woodworking and you enjoy the nerdiness of the mechanics that come with drums, right? All of the parts and pieces and hinges and screws and all of that. But you don't like playing. I mean, I think that's still fine. Like, what do I, you know, I think I don't like it when people use it as a distraction, when they they say they want to play drums and they do kind of sort of practice, but they get pulled away from the artistry by this like nerdy mechanical thing. And I've talked about this kind of person before on this podcast, but we used to have people that would come in Sam Ash uh, way back in the day and they would they would talk about playing as though they practiced, but really they were just drum nerds. They just wanted to collect gear and talk about gear. And that always strikes me as odd, sort of like being a car guy, but like you don't, you own a lot of cars, but you would never take it out and drive it. Like, it's like, why? I don't understand. Like, aren't, like, you should want to enjoy it. But some people are just more like, they enjoy the observation, right? And the discussion and all of these surrounding thoughts and conversations around the thing, but not actually doing the thing. So I don't know. I, I've definitely built snare drums before. I've refinished kits before, like peeled the wraps off of them and sanded the wood down and done different stains. And it's really fun, really, really fun. Yeah, I would just say, don't let one distract from the other necessarily. That's what I don't like. So mm. I think if you want to get into it though, the more you tinker with drums, like taking them apart, rebuilding them, or even building your own drums, the more you do that, the more comfortable you get being around the kit itself. Like, cause there, it's a bad place to be in if you're scared of your gear, right? Like if the snares, if the snare wires get too loose and they kind of come off or your throw off needs some adjustment, and you have to take your snare apart to fix it. It really sucks if you're like terrified to do that. If you look at it as like, I don't think I'll ever be able to put it back together again. Go ahead and take it apart and, and figure it out. Like put in the time to try and get more comfortable. Um, it's just really worth worth putting in that time to be that much more comfortable with the actual gear that you play. It's one of the reasons I'm uncomfortable with guitar. If this breaks, I don't know how it works well <laughs> enough to like take it apart and fix it. Um, so if you are gonna tinker with drums, I say tinker, but like, Working with the wood or the hardware, taking them apart and sort of upgrading, modifying them. You know, yeah, you, you would have some benefit from that just to be more comfortable, if anything. So I'll give it the accent, I think. Yeah, All right. just don't get distracted. All right. That's a good answer. Oh. I like that. Full accent. All right. Uh, I just got a picture. Just uh, pull it up on the accent and go see what you think. Okay. Ooh, I feel like seeing this parts of a drum kit. Okay, so for those just listening, it's a cartoon of a guy at a at a drum set, pretty large setup, and uh, there's all of these arrows pointing to various parts of the kit, and they have like vocalizations, like <laughs> <laughs> so like Tom one is labeled as buh and Tom two is duh, uh, <laughs> the hi hats or the the crash is a uh, psh, the hi hats are. Ks. The the octopad just says the band. I guess it could be. The brushes, we got hell nah. The sticks, hell yeah. The snare is ka. The bass drum is puh. Uh, floor tom is boom. Cowbell is doink. Um, the chimes, it just says no, please don't. <laughs> funny, man. First of all, this is just really funny. Uh, and it's a cool drawing, too. I like this, this character, whatever's going on with his nose situation. Um, yeah, really funny, but there's like a deeper level to this, I think, 
which is the a shout out to the uh, the illustrator this Tommy Siegel looks like his name is you know and it's like vocalization you know and I think this is a really really important thing that a lot of people don't do I had one drum teacher growing up I always say that I'm self-taught and I was except for this window of like two or three months where I had a drum teacher named Howard Cadison was his name in Rockville Maryland and he used to make me sing everything before we played it and I used to think that was so annoying so stupid so if it was a basic rock beat I would have to boom got boom got I'd have to sing it on the page before we could actually play it but in hindsight it was so helpful to think about drums that way that I started doing that with my students many years ago where I will actually make them sing out certain parts and in in certain cases with certain students we do have to sing it before we play it. And that gave birth to all of these like rhythmic vocalization games where we would just clap or snap our, our hands and then we would sing on top of that, right? So doing different subdivision exercises, listening exercises, because your, your, your voice is so tied into your mind. I mean, where, where, do, where do words come from, right? Like they're, they're indicative of your thoughts. And so something about like an inability to vocalize what you're hearing in your head, that's indicative of this problem that, that you have a problem with playing it as well. Like I think very few people can play things that they can't sing. And if you can sing it, then playing it is actually not that far off. You're pretty close to doing that. So an example would be like for me, I do this in, in the car all the time, more so than I like steering wheel drum or drum on my lap. I will sing or vocalize like rhythm but it just comes out of my voice instead of the the instrument as a voice. So example, like 10 second drum cell, it would be like Right, like to me, all of that could be played on a drum set. I'm singing how I hear my floor tom, my crashes, my hi-hats, different mannerisms. And sometimes you use onomatopoeia, like blozda, like that's a really mm -hmm. easy, blozda, 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 blozda. Another easy one, like boots and cats, boots, cats, boots, cats, boots, yep. right? Like there, there's so many of those built in, but I think it's like not talked about enough that that's like an exercise or a way to perceive rhythmic expression where you can practice like with your own voice, like totally off of the kit. I don't know, I think people that can't do that at all, it's, some, it's tied in somehow to like how you think about drums, Man, I would need more time to work that one out. I'm working on on All In Without of my other podcast, non-drumming. I'm working on a, um, a, a philosophical podcast there that's about uh, precision of language and being ultra precise with speech and trying to pitch an argument for why that's so extremely important. So this would tie into that, but we're early in that that whole thought <laughs> process. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna need a little more time to work that one out. But I like this. It's cool. It's cool. Really deep, funny. Deep cut and yeah, it's funny that a funny little comic strip inspired that level of conversation but hey man that's good yeah <laughs> cool all right so what is that an accent that's an accent that's right? an accent this is cool. Right, cool super funny reminds me of gary larson far side remember those comics uh it's a very specific style of he was a comic writer he published full books of like little anyway google gary larson i'll put a gary larson far side thing on the screen you guys will know you know you know if you saw him for sure yeah yeah but. i'm not looking at it but you guys are and i'm sure it's funny yeah he's um, hilarious all right next one uh i just wrote four four <laughs> accent or so, ghost four four so what well, like little tidbit too uh casey 
and Casey Austin, Cooper. Casey Cooper and Austin Bertram were at the wedding. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, I got to chat with them, which was very good. Shout out Casey. Shout out Austin. Uh, and there was just a small conversation in there where Casey was just like, I like four on the floor. It's easy. It gets people moving. It gets people dancing. True. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't need to stray any farther from that, which I, of course, agree with him. But yeah. I wanted to know, four on the floor, four, four. What do we think of that? Huh. Well, the comfort level, like the relatability that people have to that time signature, I'm pretty sure it's learned. Like if the entire Western culture said it's not 4-4, four, four, it's 5-4, and they just ran with that forever, 4 would hit us just as weird as five does now does that make sense like you, you could easily get used to something else i think one of the advantages of four is is its divisibility divisibility mm -hmm. that's a word you know that that the math is very easy all the way up the rhythmic scale so that's certainly nice for learning but you know and i mean I, yeah i guess that would only be even numbers right so like two four six eight right those would be your options but Again, it's all learned, right? So if you went to another culture and their fundamental time signature that everything started in was 5-4 or was 9-8, I think the entire culture and the ears of the culture itself would sort of shift to hear that as normal. So I think when you keep that in mind, it's still okay to have a have a favorite. Um, for anybody, I mean, yeah, dude, like I can't ghost four, four timing or four on the floor, which would be the more like four bass drum disco sort of like that straightforward punch sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, anything that pleases the masses, like you can't really ghost that. Right. Also, are you going to be mad at four, four? Just be like, oh, I don't like it. Like, all right, well, <laughs> there's a shit ton of music you can't listen to now. <laughs> like most of the music you can't listen to. You know, it's also the same, not just in time signature, but also in tonal stuff as well. Like, if you go to different cultures, I want to say, like, um, well, I don't know I don't know enough about the, the history to name, like, the countries where they come from. But let's just say, like, Eastern music, they use totally different scales. Yeah. Like, they don't use, um, how many notes are on a piano? 14, and then there's octaves of it. They don't do that. It's, like, in between those notes, there's other, like... I don't want to, I want to say like semitones, but what we would consider a note that is sharp or flat to them. It's not, there's like more notes that are in between and your ears can acclimate to that. So it makes the music sound completely different. And you would say as a Westerner, it sounds wrong to you, but it's just like, it's like a different language. So you can get used to anything, but I think for the advantage of four would have to just be the math, just easy math in general. And the other last closing thing I'll say before we, move on from time signatures is that learning other time signatures improves your playing in 4-4. Four, four. So you'll never be as comfortable in 5-4 or 9-8 or whatever as you are in 4-4. Four, four. Probably never going to happen because you're never going to spend the same amount of time listening to and playing any other time signature. But when you get any level of comfort in 7-8, 9-8, 5-4, whatever the time signature is, you'll notice that it does have a carryover where it adds this weird like depth to your playing in 4-4 because you're able to more freely move throughout that time signature. And you can do that when you have the ability to be kind of comfortable in a, in a harder or a more obscure time signature. So anyway, something to keep in mind, but yeah, I can't possibly ghost 4-4. So we'll give it the accent. You got it, Casey. Play them, play them four on the floor all day, baby. <laughs> all right, cool. Full accents on accent or ghost. Yeah. 
that'll close that out. All right. So I'm going to take a little nap. I'm very <laughs> tired. But also because you guys are sleeping too. What are you sleeping on? Drummers. There's that transition. There we go. <laughs> Sleeper Spotlight. All right. If you're not familiar with Sleeper Spotlight, we introduce a drummer that y'all are sleeping on. And we'll get Adam's opinions, impressions, and constructive criticism, if any. So we got a few here. Okay. Joseph Jankowski. Okay. Is our first drummer today. Brother Joe. He's got about 2,400 followers on Instagram. We're going to get that number up here. 40,000. Let's take a listen. Joseph, clip number one. Very loose player for sure. Great, um, great technique, great feel around the kit. Definitely a 10 or 20 year drummer, right? You can see a certain comfort level in his playing. Um, also, I like that kit. Is that like a matte brown chocolate sort of pearl? I can't tell if it's black. Um, it's very dark, but it doesn't look pitch black. He had it in the description of the Instagram hmm. post. Is that a reference pure? I'm not sure with those with the lugs on there. It's definitely a pearl, but I'm not sure exactly what what kind. Sounds dry, right? Very dry. Some of those pearls, man, they get you. They're like surprisingly dry. Depends on on what pearl it is, but I like the sound of this one for sure. I actually think oh, so it's not this one, but the other video that we have, he's playing a uh, export. An this, export. Yeah, wow. This might be a reference pure, but the the other one he's playing an export, and it doesn't sound bad. Yeah. In the next video we have for the him. the export is the Honda Civic of drum sets. Oh, so dude. you mean the most reliable car <laughs> ever? Yeah, that's I mean seen it, around every city, like and, hard to go wrong. Hard, yeah. and they're they're fucking everywhere, yeah. everywhere. If you've never seen one, like I don't know how long you've lived in this country like there <laughs> it's well, like a honda civic like the, just look outside there's probably an export park somewhere <laughs> the joke the joke that i used to make with like me and my car buddies was it was like you know if you're gonna help out your city you need to do your civic duty you need to buy a civic ah. like just <laughs> yeah yeah get this car to enjoy life yeah it's, it's, yeah yeah it's necessary for it but anyway so yeah. funny all right next clip from <laughs> from joseph let's see this honda civic start up baby. oh Here yeah baby that's a pretty export. That sounds great. Yeah. Sounds really good. Good sounding kit. Clear heads too. A little more. Uh, a little more wet on the toms. <laughs> Yeah, I like some of that Herta work off the toms as well. Clean player, man. Very, very clean for sure. Intentional. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes a, a piece of feedback I've given to many drummers on here was I can hear when they push to the top end of their skill level, and it feels a lot of times like they are... You can hear the like the... They're attempting to force notes out that are a struggle for them to play. And if you back your skill level down from a from your own personal like level 10, if you back it down to a 7 or an 8, you're better able to sell what you're playing. Like the delivery, the landing of what you're playing is very different. 
And in, he's a good example of somebody where I bet you he can play slightly, like marginally more difficult things, but his choices are within this range of his skill level where the delivery and the landing is very, very clean. And I like to see that. That's a musical maturity thing, right? So that, that's a sign of a, of, a, of a seasoned player for sure. So I thought he made great choices. Kit sounds absolutely awesome. Uh, yeah, man, just a clean all-around player. Kind of guy you'd want want to have... Um, well, for really anything, I suppose, but like session work for sure. These guys are built for that, you know, ultra clean, man. Very cool. Yeah, and he's not too bad of a setup, and his Instagram page is clean and organized and Hell very yeah. easy to see all of his playing. So, yeah. shout out Joseph Jankow. Shout out Joseph. Good one, man. That was awesome. Sweet. All right. Uh, well, enough of that guy. Uh, we're going to go <laughs> to Aaron Ruttero, who has. Okay. 300 or maybe not even 300 almost there wow followers okay. on instagram all right but this kid deserves more i'll be honest okay this kid shreds all right first clip from aaron very authentic is the word that i'll use i believed that right yeah Yeah, it's uh jazz is so tough to sell sometimes right like you've really got to put in some time over a few years for things that again it's like the landing and the delivery is really tricky with jazz sometimes but i i definitely bought everything that he was selling musically right like I, i don't know it had a um very genuine for sure and that's a sign of just putting in a lot of time listening to jazz and then you know when you get all those hours in listening and playing there's a certain let's go philosophical for a moment um carl jung had a a phrase where he said be careful of unearned wisdom like like a piece of advice that you were told that makes sense to you but you've never actually used it in your life it's like like wisdom that you haven't actually earned. Like you don't have any right to it just yet. And I think with jazz, sometimes I feel that way when I play jazz. Like I can play the the stuff, I can play it, but it's like unearned. Like I haven't gone deep enough to actually claim this as my own type of expression. I can just say the words, so to speak. But he's past that point, right? Where he's not just saying the words or you know playing the notes. Um, he feels it. So there's a there's a certain genuine quality to his playing that was really really cool to see. And he also looks relatively young, which makes it that much more impressive, right? Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. I couldn't get his age. Twenties? Um, Got to be twenties. I, I I thought he was younger than that. Um, it's a good thing that you don't post your age on the internet. Uh, it's a smart thing to do. Yeah, there's but, no reason to um, do that. It's a little weird. If if you do, it's helpful for us to just kind of. First of all, determine the level of skill that you're at at that age. And second of all, 
look back and think, why wasn't I that good at that age? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just hate myself. Yeah, watch these I clips. Quit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but in contrast to that, we got another clip from Aaron okay. here. I see you named the file AA Ron. It's five A's. Everybody know that, that Key and Peel skit? Oh, hey, dude. yo, hey, A Ron, Timothy. What was the other Timo- one? Timothy, Jay Quellen. What was the one he said? <laughs> Jay Quellen? Jay Quellen. He just says, like, Amanda. Or, like, <laughs> he just says it correctly. Oh, A-A-Ron. Oh, Blake was Blake. 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 God, that's such a funny skit. Oh, Key man. and Peel, man. That'll go down in history. Anyway, oh, yeah. enough of Key and Peel. Here's Aaron Rodero. A-A-Ron, clip number two. Can't I think tell. it's uh, uh, like Berkeley Shed. Ah. Yeah. Watch that again. That was very short. 17 seconds. One more time. <laughs> Fell off the kit. Man, definitely... Like 300 followers doesn't make sense. No, Way not at above all. that level, for sure, for sure. So, um, such a good blend of like technical ability, right? Like a lot of time spent in the practice room. You can hear the concepts, but also like like a high comfort level. He's very comfortable. Like he's put in so much time behind the kit to be that relaxed while playing things that are this difficult. He's not like reaching or pushing into these like mm-hmm. unexplored territories. Like he's explored everything that he's playing. That's that's why he's so comfortable going there. Um, and just great, like great feel. Everything is dialed. Man, really, really impressive. I hear 300 followers. I'm like, what in the fuck are we talking about? Like, yeah. man, let's get this kid to 1,000, dude. That was, uh, that was awesome. I'm shooting for the moon here for yeah. Aaron. To 10, the moon. 10,000 followers. Um, yeah, and the versatility, too, to go from jazz to newer fusion shops. Sure. Yeah, these were not similar styles. You're right. Yeah. Very different. Very, yeah. very cool. Shout out, Aaron. Shout out, Shout Aaron, out dude. That Joseph. was sick. Thank you to all our sleepers. I hope y'all are awake now. (laughs) And that'll end Sleeper Spotlight for today. Awesome. Uh, All right. Q&A. Q&A. Let's do it. You know what this is. It's easy. Q&A. Question and answer. Uh, These questions come from anywhere, really. If you would like to submit questions to this segment, these questions can be submitted via Instagram, uh, the comments on YouTube, the forums of OrlandoDrummer.com. Or even send me an email at chris at orlandodrummer.com. That email inbox is dry. I need your questions. Do it. Send some questions, man. Questions. Let's do it. Uh, but thankfully, we do have some submissions to be able to put on the podcast today. So first question is from underscore N Peyton underscore. Okay. How do you feel about people who are really showy but also very skilled, i.e. Eric and Proda? <laughs> what a good example. Mm. Eric and Proda. Yeah, it's... Well, let's start with Eric and Proda. He's a really good example of somebody who does that well. High level of showmanship. I mean, you don't need to backflip from one kit to another. Like, that, that. that's an elective, right? But he does that sort of thing, right? The combinations of his artwork with, like, the weird physicality of, like, like doing tricks. Um, not necessarily, like, stick tricks, but, like like, showmanship, for sure. I think they have to be paired together. I think when that doesn't work is when it's purely showmanship and there's 
there's like a there's a a gap in your skill set, right? Like you have to be good at playing drums before you start doing any like showy type of stuff. So for me, the only the only real problem there is someone who's put more time into the showmanship than they have the actual artistry of playing drums. But if you are proficient at the instrument, at least you know enough so where you're comfortable performing the music that you want to perform, and then you say, well, now I want to work on more showmanship type stuff, I think that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. For a while, I considered doing a masterclass on uh, I wanted to call it like aesthetics, not necessarily stick tricks because I don't really do many stick tricks, but like mannerisms that would that would elevate your showmanship to make you more interesting to watch. Maybe I'll still do that masterclass at some point. Kind of a tricky one to pull off, but for me, the better the better you are, the more of a pass you have to be showy. And Eric and Proto is a great example. He's very good. So you get to do 360s on your throne and. Uh, you know, a lot of other people, I, I don't think, have like earned the right to do that necessarily. Yeah. Another example would be Luke Holland. You know, uh, plenty of stick tricks, tons of them. Also, yeah. he's really good at playing drums, so yeah. you know, you get to do that sort of stuff. So I look at it as as very earned. Um, I think if you're young and you've only been playing a few years, hold off on that stuff. You know, it's really not worth your time just yet. And also consider that there are certain mannerisms that you might you might put in the category of like stick tricks where they're going to develop naturally like certain patterns with your hands i've got a few of those where my stick does like this figure eight sort of thing in my hand as i come from a crash back to the snare and it's not intentional i don't i don't think of it as a stick trick it's just like a movement that has become like built in to my rhythmic expression like you know it just kind of happens sometimes so things like that will happen where you have these natural motions or movements that you might categorize as a stick trick they'll happen naturally so if you're young don't force it and like spend all day learning how to like twirl a stick in your fingers i guess you can if it's late and you're not allowed to play drums sure figure out how to twirl <laughs> a stick in your fingers but um but a lot of that stuff is earned so yeah artistry should come first and then showmanship definitely has its place a little further down the line for most people but yeah it's a great question Cool. All right. Well, thank you, N. Peyton, for your question. We appreciate that. And shout out Eric and Luke. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. I'm tricky boys. Tricky boys. <laughs> Next question from Steve M. Okay. He asks, posture, is it important or not important? Why do some drummers like Buddy Rich and JoJo Mayer slouch but have highly technical use of their limbs? I myself like to keep an upright posture when playing so that I can keep control. But can I relax every muscle in my upper body to focus more on what my arms and wrists are doing? Mm, okay. So JoJo and Buddy are interesting examples because they do not have good posture, but they do have good technique, at least with arms and hands. You know, The thing with posture is you're... You're, it's not that it inhibits you from playing drums to have bad posture. I don't think it really matters that much. You can play drums just as well. It's more so that you're going to pay for it later. You're, you're definitely going to have to pay a price for that at some point along the line as the meat engine starts breaking down. Yeah, you're going to have to pay for that one for sure. It might be back problems, neck problems, shoulder problems. At some point, that will come to get you for sure. So it's more of a longevity thing than it is a performance thing. And I, I, that applies to a whole bunch of stuff too. You know, it, it's all of the technique conversations that we could have. You know, some of that is for performance because you, you will run into physical limitations with speed or power unless you use, you know, your body correctly. 
But the other half of that conversation is longevity. It's just about taking care of your body so that you can do this for a longer period of time. And I would say, I would make the argument that JoJo and Buddy, you know, RIP if he was still here, that, you know, that's something they might have to deal with. Hard to say for each individual person too, but uh, the likelihood of them having those kind of problems is certainly higher when they don't have, you know, good posture. But here's the interesting thing about posture. By the way, there's a, a four or five part yoga for drummers series on orlandodrummer.com that addresses a whole lot of this stuff. There's also a a 20 minute lesson uh, in the ultimate technique pack that's dedicated to posture, seating, and balance. It's weirdly more muscle activation than you might think. So being totally relaxed does apply to certain muscle groups, but when you think of having good posture, it's almost like constant active seating. Like you're not turning off all of the muscles in like your glutes and your low back and your erector spine and your trap, they're not just like shut down completely and you're just like this statue there. Certain muscle groups, yes, you do wanna relax them and only activate them when you need them. But for posture, it's not really like that, man. If you've ever had back problems from sitting all day, one of the things that you might find is helpful is one, to be on your feet, like actually wake up your whole body and stay that way the entire day. But also if you keep your feet on the floor and scoot a little bit further to the edge of your chair where you have to maintain what I would call like an active seating position. Like you can't totally relax and slouch and turn off all of the muscles in your butt and your hips and your back. You kind of have to keep all of that stuff awake a little bit. And I think with drums, it's a little easier to do this because you know, you're not, for me, I sit like right on the edge of my throne, but you're not just like plopped on the throne. Like you should be a little bit on the edge of it with a little bit of weight going through your thighs, through your knees, through your calves, and sort of onto the floor. So you're not just like floating and hovering above the pedals. But as far as the actual posture, like your, your how, how stacked is your spine? I mean, ideally, man, you wanna be straight up and down. You know, it's, it's like, uh, the, I'm gonna take this from, the guy wrote a book, it's over here somewhere, I don't know where. It's called The Anatomy of Drumming. Um, John something was his name. Fantastic book. And he uses this analogy that I've borrowed before about if we took a guitar, we were set the guitar like vertically on the ground like this, but the neck is down here at the bottom, right? Like the tuning pegs are on the floor and the guitar body is up top. So it's like you have this pole that's stacked and all the weight is on the top. The further you lean this guitar over, the more weight is actually going to pull because this heavy top end, the body of the guitar is gonna wanna fall down towards the ground. But if you were to stand it perfectly straight up, you can balance that guitar with one finger at the top, right? Because all of that weight is just stacked on top. It's kind of how your spine is built anyway. So I would say, yeah, man, it's extremely, extremely important. Not that it's gonna make you a better drummer. I don't think that's really the case. I think it's much more that there's a strong argument that at some point you will pay the price for that. And so if, if for anything else, just, just longevity. Longevity, man, just take care of your body. You do not want severe back problems in your 50s or 60s. Ask anybody that's had that happen. It just sucks. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a posture nerd. I, go for it, go for it, put in the time. Cool. Yeah. Every time I even reading that question, anytime said anybody says the word posture, I go, Am I sitting up straight? Yeah. What am I doing? Here? Yeah. Driving too. You go, oh crap. Yeah. And it dude, it's so learned. Good posture is absolutely learned. It's 
you have to like train yourself to sit that way. And that's one of the things you do is you make those little corrections where you're just like, wait a minute, oh, wait a minute, sit up, mm-hmm. you know, like tighten up a little bit, right? Yeah. It's it's definitely a very conscious thing, but you can train it to be natural for sure. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah, core exercises help that too. Yeah. You get your core strengthened and then all of a sudden it's easier to push your entire body up. So yeah, absolutely. Very, very important. All yeah, right, well, thank you, Steve M., for that question. Yeah. That'll do it for Q&A. A short one there. All right. Uh, again, if you have questions for this podcast, please submit your questions via Instagram. Comment below on YouTube. Go on the members area of OrlandoDerma.com or shoot me an email at Chris at OrlandoDerma.com. Yeah, and that'll, that'll do it. All right. That'll... Well, just got a little closing message for you here. Oh. So you heard this story this morning, but a lot of I people... Did. No, nobody else here has heard it. Um, we got... So we have a little farm going on here. Tuminero Farm is what we're calling it because, you know, what else are you going to call it? But... Uh, we got a whole bunch of chickens, but we got some goats recently. Got two goats, Aristotle and Nietzsche, mm-hmm. and philosophy boys. And uh, these are young goats, and they broke out of the yard. Of course they did. It's kind of goat specialty, is escaping places. So they broke out, and they got away, and they um, we spent all day yesterday looking for these goats. Finally found them, and they were at a horse farm, which is kind of perfect, right? I mean, where else would you want your farm animals to end up but at a horse farm? So at another farm. Yeah, we yeah they're just at another farm. So we don't know how exactly they got there, but we were like, okay, cool. At least they're safe, and they you know so they were spoiled, eating hay, just in the in a horse stall. They were fine. But we went there, and then we find out that this place is actually a, it's a like a a special needs therapy place like like equestrian therapy Ah. so kids with learning disabilities or you know asperger's or autism would go there and do sort of horse training um as a form of therapy and so we were you know my plan was to go buy these people lunch uh and they of course they didn't want that they were like no 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 it's fine farm animals kind of our thing so we're good um so anyway i just went up to the office and i made a small donation to this place because i was just so grateful that they found my goats you know, otherwise I would have been out several hundred dollars for these goats. Um, but it got, got me sort of thinking like, you know, are there any types of charities that you guys like in the drum or even just the music industry? Because I would love to organize something like that via this podcast, you know, raise a little money for a charity. So I don't know, we could do anything from uh, merch, like a special run of merch that goes to some sort of charity. But I want you guys to to tell me what charity do you like? Um, and ideally not like a massive one. I know Music Cares is a big one. You know, there's a lot of those. But I'd be more interested in if you know someone personally who's personally who started a local music charity, um, something in that wheelhouse. I'd be really interested to, to find one like that and see if we can use this podcast to get a little money there because I was so I was so stoked not only to get my goats back, but that the people who found it were actually worked for like like a special needs place. I was like, dope, made me feel even even uh, even better to give them a small donation. So yeah, really, really cool. So that's my goat story. That's how I'm tying it into, into drum world. And uh, yeah, comment if you guys have any music or drum charities that you know of. We'd love to make something happen for them. So yeah, that's what I got for today. Cool, all right. Well, thank you, Adam. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you guys You're for listening. Well. Much appreciated. We will catch you all next week, episode 19. 19, yep, that's right. One, all right. two more years till we can drink. <laughs> we'll all right, guys, good. appreciate it. We'll catch you next week. All right, later. <laughs>